All right, back on the Young Turks. Um, all right, we got a couple of great guests for you guys as usual, and then we got a huge post game from the members, uh, including Mitch McConnell beginning to throw Trump under the bus. That's going to be super interesting. Okay, and one other secret reason for the Ukraine call. God, there's a lot of good stuff in the post game. I'm not saying tyt.com/slash/join to become a member and get it. I'm just saying. All right, so uh, joining me now is Ken Kilbenstein. He is senior investigative reporter for TYT Investigates. Ken, uh, welcome to the Young Turks. Hey, man, great to be with you. Good to be with you. Ken, I'm gonna talk a little bit about your reporting, but I also um, wanna talk to you about the news of the day. So I'll throw you a bunch of questions uh, that I didn't warn you about, so that'll be fun. Um, Okay, so um, first of all, let me see if you know anything uh, lately about uh, Pelosi wanted to narrow the impeachment proceedings, and she wanted to do it just about Ukraine. And then there was a back and forth fight between her and both progressives and other committee leaders within Democratic leadership who didn't want their power taken away. And it seems like she backed away from that for a second. But since then, all we've done is talk about Ukraine. Do you have any idea what the latest on that is, on whether they're gonna go broad or narrow? Well, I can tell you just generally um, that the staffers I talk to, and I talk to you know quite a range um, within Congress, um, are saying that there's enormous tension, uh, and this predates the debate about um, the nature of the impeachment probe. Um, enormous tension between uh, sort of Pelosi and not just the progressive wing, but increasingly sort of maybe more centrist liberal groups that are thinking, "Boy, this is you know really getting out of control. Maybe we should um, you know go in harder on on Trump." So, um, without being able to comment specifically on the Ukraine situation, uh, that's the backdrop in which this is taking place. I really think that's sort of the the battle that you're seeing is a lot of formerly maybe people caught in between the two camps, or maybe more towards the center's position, kind of defecting to the um, pre- progressive side, if only to protect their own reputation among really angry constituents. Well, speaking of which, I mean, there's something weird going on. Why would you not talk about his business dealings? Why would you not talk about a couple of the crimes that we know already? And if you eliminate that from the conversation, it almost it allows Donald Trump to say, "See, even the Democrats don't want to pursue that. I I must be innocent of that." And but it's gotten weird. I mean, Richard Neal will not take Trump's tax returns. He will not take it on a boat. He won't take it on a goat. The state of New York said, here, here's Donald Trump's state tax returns. But only the head of the Ways and Means Committee in the House can take it. And that's Richard Neal, one of the Democratic leaders. He's like, no, I don't want him. And then I don't want to look into his potential business ties with Russia, even though both of his kids say, yeah, all of our money came from Russia. I mean, Ken, a guy who had six major bankruptcies cannot possibly get a loan from a major financial institution without a cosigner. Do you know if the Democrats are making any effort to ever look into his business ties and find out, for example, who was his co-signer at Deutsche Bank? I, of course, can only speculate as to you know why Pelosi doesn't want to go ahead with this, but um, I would imagine that you know she's always been and represented a sort of approach to politics, which is you know um, court the big donors, uh, a lot of the same big donors that the Republicans had in the past. And you know we're going to have. I always hear this phrase used, uh, especially when you talk to staffers more on the um, you know center center part of the party, where they say we're a big tent party. And 
they don't, that sounds great. You know, it's like, oh yeah, let's throw all sorts of religions, creeds and, you know, ethnicities in. But they, that, they sort of use that as a euphemism for let all different types of income groups and their preferences into the party. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't want to pull the trigger on, um, you know, investing in the financial side of things. If only because that could implicate all sorts of friends of hers. And, um, you know, we've seen this all uh, perhaps best epitomized by the photo of, um, you know, Donald Trump at, um, it, it was a, some wedding and it was uh, Trump and um, Clinton were out together. But I mean, the nexus between wealthy donors on either side of the party is is a very large one. And I wonder if if, if that's sort of a can of worms that, that they, I mean, you see all the time, they want to keep the fight above the belt in the sense that um, once you start going after, uh, you know, businesses, then there's so much white collar corruption on the corporate side of things that uh, maybe they're afraid of where that could go. And I, I think that would be rational from, from her point of view, if that's indeed what she's thinking. And remember, the, the reason why Democrats are so uh, verklempt about uh, Donald Trump going after Hunter Biden is because a lot of their family members uh, go all around the world cashing in on their last names. In fact, Pelosi's son uh, went to New Year's Eve at Mar-a-Lago recently. Uh, so they're still partying with the Trumps. Now, that doesn't mean that Pelosi's son is corrupt. I don't know what his situation is. I don't know what his business dealings are. and I. I'm not trying to imply that. All I'm saying is, I've seen Orrin Hatch's kid become a lobbyist, cash in. I saw Norm Coleman's wife become not a lobbyist in her case, but a company that wanted favors from Norm Coleman when he was senator at Minnesota, paid her a job where she literally had no experience and never showed up and got a ton of money. So, is this kind of a well known practice? We all get rich here and hey, everybody be cool. And if we go after Trump and, and turn that rock over, there's gonna be a lot of things we don't like to see under that rock. And, and by the way, Trump keeps saying, sorry, one more question related to that. Trump keeps threatening them saying, you don't want me to tell people what, what I know. Does anybody have any idea what that means? Because it's possible <laughs> that in the Washington rumor mill, they could already be you know spreading some of that stuff among in Republican circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's a totally legitimate. I mean, that's the first thing that I thought uh, when I saw how this was playing out, and um, Trump saying something like that—that's just perfect. Who knows if he's even referring to anything particular? He could just—you uh, know—he clearly knows how to uh, trigger the fear center in in people's minds. Um, you know, perhaps people of a certain political persuasion more than others, but he's an expert at that. And when he says something like that, um, you know, he may well know that <laughs> there are all sorts of people in Capitol Hill that have things they don't want coming out, and maybe everyone's thinking, "Oh gosh, is he talking about me?" When in fact, um, perhaps he knows nothing. But um, I, I think that's a—I think that's a rational. Um, you know, question to ask um, as to why they're not moving ahead with this. Because as you've said, Jake, from day one, um, it's the business um, side of things that you're really going to find stuff in. And so we either have to conclude that uh, either, you know, Pelosi and the Democrats that agree with her are morons or they have um, some way they're benefiting by not by not opening the door to this side of the investigation. Now, I want to go into your reporting a little bit because today we did a story about how the State Department has a, a lot of issues, both uh, foreign workers former workers, I should say, and current workers, especially the former workers are now getting letters in the mail saying things that emails you sent to Hillary Clinton have now been retroactively classified. That means you're in trouble because that was a security violation, even though when you did it, it was not a security violation, but we're looking to punish you anyway. So on the other hand, you have good news of the Department of Homeland Security about morale. So it turns out, um, according to a, an internal um, 
DHS-wide memo that people uh, received and was uh, sent to me from a source that I have in there. Um, they, they were celebrating uh, the head of DHS that their uh, morale was up. And so I thought, oh, gosh, what is it up to? Maybe uh, they appreciate all the money Trump is sending them. It was up 1%, and they decided to send a message to everyone celebrating how great that was. And if you look at it, um, they don't actually list which subcomponents within DHS um, comprise, um, or they listed a couple that comprise the increase. And it's like the Coast Guard and, and can't remember the other groups, but uh, notably it was not ICE, it was not CBP, because what you find with those groups is that there is a, uh, there's been, you know, reportedly a crisis of, of, of um, morale within within the groups really engaged in the border stuff, and that's certainly on an anecdotal level what I've heard from folks inside that that I talk to, um, in those in those sub agencies. So I thought that was uh, sort of telling that that even with all the money that Trump is throwing at them and all the new authorities, you're not seeing an increase in, uh, I mean, you're seeing a one percent increase, which is of course is you know quite small, and that that is not actually localized to the um, Groups that he's that he's lavishing all this stuff on. It reminds me of one of my favorite tweets. Right before he dropped out of the presidential race, John Hickenlooper sent a congratulatory tweet to himself saying, Hey everybody, it's time to get excited. We're peaking. We just reached two percent in the polls. <laughs> it reminds me of Rubio. Do you remember when the commentators were like, Oh, he's gonna sweep the country here? You know, he gave him third place, uh, sec, you know, fourth place in the last one. He's he's about to clean up here. Yeah, and of course the the infamous Joe Mentum, uh, when Joe Lieberman came in fifth and said <laughs> it was basically a tie for third, so I have Joe Mentum. Um, okay, <laughs> it's still funny. Anyway, now uh, one of the calls that apparently Trump hid in his secret server was from the Saudis, uh, and so there's a lot of discussion about his ties to the Saudis. You've uncovered a, a Saudi-linked lobby group that's pitching a film about the child detention centers. What on God's green earth is that? Well, there's this lobby group that was one of the few that didn't sever ties with the Saudis following um, the report of the um, really grisly murder of um, uh, Virginia resident and Washington Post uh, reporter um, Jamal Khashoggi, who himself was a Saudi national living in the United States. Um, they lured him into the Turkish, um, I believe it was the consulate, and ended up um, dismembering, uh, you know, killing and dismembering him. Um, and after that, it became sort of untenable for uh, even a, even some of the, you know, most slimy um, comms shops and, and, and lobbying groups to represent the Saudis. So many of them dropped them. Uh, Elizabeth Warren actually uh, wrote a letter to a bunch of these different groups urging them to, to drop the Saudis. Uh, and this company, um, uh, it's called Corvus, was, was one of the few that did not. And um, from uh, it, it, was a, it was sort of a film script that was leaked to me um, from someone, not to be vague to try to protect sources, but it was from someone who was concerned with um, the directions things were heading. What I found was that the only private um, for-profit um, uh, child detention, child migrant detention facility in the United States, there's only one, and the rest are um, government and you know ICE, ICE run and owned, um, was doing a propaganda film. They had been contracted to do the, this, the same Saudi, um, the same the same group that represented the Saudis had been contracted to do a propaganda film. And if you read it, and I encourage people to you know go on tyt.com slash investigates to read, uh, embed the script in it. Um, the description is, uh, I, I don't know whether to be horrified or, or, or just burst out laughing, because it talks about zooming in on, it was a former military base, this child detention facility, it talks about zooming in on the, on the, on the arches and, and emphasizing how beautiful be uh, built, um, how pretty the um, uh, nature and, and plants and animals around it are. And so it just goes on like this, and, and a lot, I think a lot of people find that sort of distasteful and, and kind of scary. 
Yeah, no, it made me want to go. I mean, I thought, oh, if only I could be locked in, up in such a beautiful place, separated from my family. Um, anyway, uh, great reporting as always, tyt.com slash investigates. Ken, uh, thanks for joining us, appreciate it. Hey, great to see you, man, take care. You too. All right, uh, Ken and I will be together in Ohio. Uh, we will be doing some sort of meetup and or rally in Ohio. So you can start signing up for that at tyt.com slash rally. Um, now, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a great candidate for you guys. All right, back on the Young Turks. Join me now is Peter Khalil. Uh, he's a congressional candidate in Washington's third district. I watch too much uh, football because I keep wanting to call him Peter Khalil Mack. Um, all right, uh, Peter, welcome to the Young Turks. How are you? Hey, Jake. Uh, thank you for having me on here. I uh, really appreciate your being a loud progressive voice for us. Uh, no problem, brother. Uh, so, uh, I want to find out more about you and why you're running for Congress. But first, I want to uh, get to know your district a little bit. Washington's sure. third district, uh, represented by a Democrat or a Republican? Represented by a Republican, uh, Jamie Herra Butler. For uh, it's going to be ten coming on ten years now, and uh, we really need to flip this thing. And uh, what's going on over there? The state of Washington is generally considered to be progressive, but obviously it has pockets of conservative voters. Uh, how red is this district? So we are a, just about a 50-50 district with a little bit of a tip towards the red. Um, we are in the southwest corner of our district is Vancouver, Washington, the main city. We've got the uh, you know the healthcare, uh, the ports, uh, and uh, information technology and stuff like that. And then outside of Vancouver and Clark County, we have a primarily rural uh, you know seven other counties uh, represented in our district, and um, you know those do tend to swing red, but um, you know. Everybody there, you know, wants the same things. They want uh, healthcare. Uh, they want uh, to be able to live a good life, uh, drink uh, clean water, and breathe clean air. Uh, and they want a government uh, that uh, is for them and not for the corporations. So, uh, Peter, if the district is that close, the it's going to be on a list uh, for the National Democrats. Uh, so, you, based on what I've read so far, appear to be pretty progressive. Uh, so they're not going to like that. I'm curious what the uh, dynamic is for the Democratic Party uh, in that district. Well, you'd actually be surprised. Uh, so when you were, when you say they aren't going to like that, it, you know, we're getting a really good reception within the the, the the population. You know, I don't I don't go around saying, hey, I'm Peter Khalil. You know, in these rural areas, and I'm a, I'm a progressive Democrat. I, you know, I come and I say, you know, how long does it take you to get a ho- get to a hospital? How, how much in medical bills do you have? Uh, you know, uh, what's happened to you? You know, a lot of a lot of these uh, counties have not recovered from the recession. Um, so we talk about the issues, and uh, you are correct that within the Democratic Party there is a split between the uh, the progressives and uh, I guess what you would call the moderates. Um, and you know I, I, I'm not interested in being in that fray. I'm interested in being above that fray. Um, and, you know, ultimately it's the people who are going to decide. It's not going to be the party here. Okay. Um, so about the voters, I'm not remotely surprised. But uh, you have in your plank, for example, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, anti-corruption. Uh, so those are not things that Pelosi gets excited by, and they're like, "Oh, send the cavalry for Peter Khalil." That's right. <laughs> okay, they're not—they're not, not going to be sending the cavalry. But the great thing is, there is no substitute for human engagement. There is no substitute for connecting directly with people, and that is what we're going to do. We're going to win this thing vote by vote. We're going to win this thing door by door, and we're going to win this thing event by event. 
Uh, and that's the only way we can do it. Um, you know, and that said, we are going to get a lot of good progressive endorsements. Uh, we are going to get a decent amount of money. Uh, but uh, the way that we are going to do this is good old fashioned politics, uh, good old fashioned retail politics. Uh, and we have to do this, I believe, because 2020, I think, is our last chance on a lot of things. Um, but you're right, cavalry isn't coming for us. Yeah. So you worked on Wall Street, Peter. What did you learn from that, and what did you decide to do instead? So yeah, I worked. Uh, I worked for a big white shoe law firm, and I understand you're a lawyer as well. And uh, uh, so you, yep. you kind of know how it works. Um, from 2007 to 2010, I worked for a big uh, Wall Street law firm, and and my wife did too. And uh, I, I represented banks, and my wife was actually on the Madoff case. And what I saw there was um, stomach turning. Honestly, to be honest, uh, you know, you had these companies uh, betting for and against the same risky investments. Uh, you had companies, uh, banks, openly violating anti-money laundering regulations. But you know, the worst thing was. Uh, you know, two really bad things. You know, one that they didn't really care. They didn't care about these main streets being decimated. Uh, and the second thing was, and and you know, this is why I'm running on a very very strong anti-corruption platform, is that they would contribute millions and millions of dollars, either directly or indirectly, to political campaigns to make sure that our representatives voted the way they wanted them to vote, not the way the people wanted them to vote. And that's why I left that uh, after only three years. I left Wall Street, and so did my wife, and we moved out to the land of uh, my wife's upbringing up here in Southwest Washington. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, turn over a new leaf, became a mediator and arbitrator. Uh, my wife's a nonprofit lawyer, uh, victims' rights lawyer out in Portland. And uh, you know, we decided that that we were going to work to make people's lives better. You know, I did half of my work for free for the last few years. Uh, of course, uh, you know, my my uh, my law school did. Uh, pay off my student loans in in uh, in return, and my wife has been a nonprofit lawyer, uh, you know, ever since uh, we worked out here or, or, or came out here, uh, and um, you know, the the purpose of life, I believe, is service. Um, I think the legacy that I want to leave behind is the legacy of improving as many people's lives as possible. So, Peter, um, you do have a strong anti-corruption stance, but. Tell, tell folks what it is. So what would you do mainly to get rid of that corruption? Because you know when I remember the famous moment when Anderson Cooper, at least it's famous to me, when Anderson Cooper asked in the Brooklyn debate back in 2016 yeah. to Bernie Sanders, do you think the money that Hillary Clinton took from donors affected her votes? And he was too damn polite to say yes. When you know and I know and you saw it with your own eyes, that's the whole point of the money, whether it's going to Republicans or Democrats. Yeah. So, what would you do about it? You know what? It's going to be a it's going to be a hard climb. Here's the thing: we do need to overturn Citizens United in some way, uh, and short of getting another court, we need a, a constitutional amendment. Uh, of course, as you know, uh, the states can you know government can regulate the time, place, and manner of uh, you know of of political donations of speech. You know, I don't know how you know money has been. We've decided that money is speech, so uh, you know the government can regulate the time, place, and manner, so we can severely restrict uh, contributions to to uh, to political campaigns. But here's the other thing. Um, well, you know, here, here's my, my if I had my druthers, um, I, we would have publicly funded elections. Uh, we would have elections that didn't last more than a few months. Uh, and um, we would have ranked choice voting. Um, that That is my ultimate goal. Uh, but short of that, short of that constitutional amendment, short of a constitutional convention, we really do need to limit the time, place, and manner. Uh, we need to figure out ways to put obstacles to to these um, these big donations, uh, and um, we we need to give the FEC a bit more teeth in, in enforcing the you know rules against concealment and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we got to do what we can within the constraints of the Constitution. But ultimately, we we do have to change the Constitution because money 
should not ever have been uh, determined to be speech. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. Uh, public financing can be done through things like democracy dollars, where you empower yeah. uh, citizens to to contribute to politicians, uh, so that you even the score between the money they have and the money the that uh, the Koch brothers or even Soros has, right? Yeah. And yeah. then you uh, do an amendment to end private financing altogether, because yeah. uh, otherwise politicians work for private interests. So there's a great plank, exactly right. Um, so uh, a lot of controversy about whether Medicare for all is popular. Now, if you look at the polling, there isn't actually much controversy. Even when they right. skew all of the polls against Medicare for all, it still does pretty well. If you tell people what it actually is, I've seen a poll as high as 78%. But yep. they will say to you, Peter, what are you doing? Running in a purple district that has a Republican incumbent on Medicare for all, uh, the voters will hate that. They love big private insurance. So what are you seeing from the voters? The, the voters do not love big private insurance. Uh, whether you're rural and Republican, whether you're a progressive Democrat, uh, people are drowning in medical debt. I see people every day who are having to make the choice between bankruptcy and getting better, between housing and healthcare, and between uh, between food and healthcare. That decision should never have to be made by a single person in the most wealthy country on earth. And when you frame it that way, and when you frame it, uh, you know, uh, as something that affects uh, people's everyday life, there is no more Republican or Democrat. You know, I've had people uh, who support Trump agree with me that we need single payer health care, that we need uh, to acknowledge that it's it, whether or not it's popular, it's a moral imperative in the richest country on earth for health care to be a right, plain and simple. Uh, absolutely. Now, one other thing that uh, is on your plank that isn't on everybody's is rural internet. So, uh, and I do see that sometimes from candidates in Kansas and Montana, and you're of course in in some of the rural areas of Washington. What what's going on there? What for us uh, big city slickers? Yeah. <laughs> what's the situation with the internet that makes it such a driving issue for all of you candidates in those areas? So you go out into these rural areas, and we've got a lot of rural counties, Pacific, Skamania, Lewis County, Klickitat County. And what you see time and time again is that people are unable to access the global marketplace, that businesses are unable to access their customers, that in, uh, there is no incentive for businesses to invest in these rural areas because broadband internet does not exist in those areas. Uh, or it may exist in some pockets of those areas. But overwhelmingly, when I ask people outside of Clark County, what is your biggest need? They just need to be connected to the world. Uh, you know, they're still operating on very, very slow speeds. It's 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 hard to sell things online. It's hard to be a corporation and communicate with your your customer base, uh, even process payments if you don't have internet access. And the same goes also for the the uh, the electrical grid out. The electrical grid out there needs to be uh, modernized. Uh, we are in our rural areas. Uh, decades behind. And that's why it's an important issue to, to these people out in our rural areas, because it is really hindering uh, the economy there. They have not recovered from the recession, and this is part of the reason why. The other reason that I'm pushing for um, rural broadband internet is because we're at the crossroads, we're in the crosshairs of a lot of investment on uh, behalf of fossil fuel companies, right? So they want to invest in fossil fuel infrastructure. And what I'm trying to say is, no, we don't need this fossil fuel infrastructure. We need the infrastructure of the future, and rural broadband is part of that infrastructure. So what I'm saying is if we build rural broadband, we satisfy the need for infrastructure and union jobs out in these areas that haven't recovered from the recession, and we give people access to the global marketplace. So it serves a dual purpose, and that's why it's so important out here. 
Yeah, I'm really glad I asked because I had always assumed that it was mainly for Netflix. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, seriously though, I had assumed that it was mainly for access to information, which yeah. is critically important. Uh, but I didn't realize it, that because I don't live in one of those areas that it's also really important if you wanna run a business. How yeah. the hell are you gonna sell anything online if you can't go online? And exactly. so, yeah, that's the modern economy, no question. So it's imperative to the economies in those areas as well. And I'm glad you're fighting for it. Before we let you go super quick, is the doll behind you next to the Peter Khalil sign of Ruth Bader Ginsburg? That is my wife's Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figure and don't call it a doll, all right? It's an action figure. <laughs> um. <laughs> all right, uh, big ups to the Khalil family, okay. <laughs> KhalilforCongress.com, this is actually the last day of the quarter. It's actually very relevant to donate, especially on a day like today, fighting against anti-corruption. KhalilforCongress.com slash donate slash volunteer. All the links are always down below if you're watching later on YouTube or Facebook. And by the way, our URLs for that, for any of our interviewers is YouTube.com slash TYT Investigates. That's a good place where you could find all these interviews very conveniently. Peter, thank you for joining us, we appreciate it. Thank you, Jake, I really appreciate your having me on. No problem. Okay, when we come back, we've got another half an hour for you guys who are members. And so we've got a lot of important, interesting news. Is Mitch McConnell beginning to throw Donald Trump under a bus? Is there a fourth reason why Donald Trump made that call to the Ukraine? The answer is yes, and I hadn't thought of it, and it made me go, oh. A Muslim congressman takes on Donald Trump in a brilliant way, and more. All of that for the members, tyt.com slash join and become a member right now. We'll see you there.